everyone. Welcome to Top 3, where entrepreneurs share their secrets and their mistakes. My name is Marcia O'Connor, and I am the CEO and founder of the O'Connor Group. We are a team of outsourced human resource and talent acquisition consultants based in King of Prussia, Pennsylvania. To sum up what we do, we support pretty much everything around the people part of your business as an outsourced resource. This year, we're celebrating 15 years being a female-owned business. We are expanding by reaching out to Raleigh, North Carolina, Nashville, Tennessee, and Tampa, Florida. Please reach us if you see us, and we'd love to talk to you more. Whether you've been an entrepreneur for one year or 15 years, this podcast was designed for you. Here, we share the same pressures, responsibilities, and challenges that entrepreneurs face on a daily basis. We are here to learn, to grow, but not only um, with our businesses, but also with ourselves. So let's get moving into the podcast and introduce our amazing guest today. Today's guest is Greg Larson. Greg is the current CEO of Self-Publishing Sherpa. He is the one basically who helps other entrepreneurs tell their story and then help them publish it into a very powerful book. He has also been a contributor to the Wall Street Journal, USA Today, and he is a best-selling writer and author and we're going to go through all of that. So this is going to be one fun conversation. And we have to bring up the fact that he also loves paddleboarding. This is something I learned myself this summer. So we'll go into that in detail. But in the meantime, welcome to the show, Greg. Thanks for having me, Marsha. My pleasure. So, okay, so you just don't start overnight. You don't go to college saying, hey, I'm going to basically help people basically write their books and publish them. So walk mm -hmm. us through, how did you get there? Well, Oddly enough, I kind of did. I started with, when I was in high school, I loved doing any kind of creative writing. And then when I went to college, I studied creative writing. I got a master's in fine arts and creative writing. I was a college professor for creative writing. I was not a very good college professor. I was a little bit too belligerent. I lasted two, two semesters before I practically got kicked out. I think like most entrepreneurs, I am a little bit, uh, how you might say, I have a hard time with authority figures who aren't myself. And so <laughs> we understand, I, don't you worry. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, and then when I left the graduate program, I was looking for a way to, I was looking for a way to help people in a way that I was familiar with when I was in college and also support my own writing career. So it started as freelancing, helping people write their nonfiction books, mostly prescriptive nonfiction, helping entrepreneurs get a speaking gigs, all that kind of stuff. And then, uh, I was working with an agency for two years and I decided I'm going to go do this myself. And that when I made that choice in 2019, it's been uh, the, the company has taken multiple different forms. The form that it's in now is myself and my partner. We talk to people on the phone, we get them to open up, share their stories, share their ideas. And then we use the recordings of those conversations and turn it into a book through this really intense editing process. So, I mean, to me, uh, a lot of people really enjoy sharing their stories, but to me, the best part of watching that process unfold is watching people become a better version of themselves. And a book is just the byproduct. So, but listen, we're all busy people. Like, you know, mm. for me, I was the, I was the accountant, right? And so writing stuff for me was, pretty much torture. Now, if I have to do it, sit down, I've, I've, I've been told like, you've got good, good quantity stuff there. And, but it mm -hmm. is really, as to, when someone's telling me like, you need essays due on Tuesday, it was almost like, oh my God, 
painful and torturous. And I know a lot of my friends who are CEOs out there listening today, it's like, yeah, I don't have time for that. And now I'm learning, you know, more in my career, people all say to me, you need to write a book now. And mm -hmm. that's great. And I have some people that said, hey, I'm taking six months and this is going to happen. I'm writing my book and this is going to happen. It's on my to-do list and get it going. So walk me through the things of how you basically get introduced to somebody about what you're listening to and why you know that you're probably a great resource for them. Mm. Well, the, that process is, it time-wise, it can be simple. You set aside three hours a week. We have a conversation together and we help get your ideas out of your head. But emotionally, that's the biggest challenge that people aren't really expecting is that no matter what sort of experiences you had. So Marsha, you, for example, if you were to write a book, what, what would be the crux, what would be the main point of the book? I think I could have several, Greg, you know, obviously having a business and growing up, you know, with not a lot potentially and saying, I'm going to do it, I'm going to make it and, you know, break that, um, uh, that spell in your life and to make it, I can do this. I mean, there's so many different things. I've had so many different things and people say to me all the time, like, wow, one day you're going to write a book and it's going to be a bestseller because of everything you've been through. And you're like, uh, okay. Um, but I could see when I read some of these books, I'm like, oh yeah, I can relate with all that. People want to hear people's lives and they want to talk about being human and about being vulnerable. And I think yes. that's what basically people really resonate to. And so I think it's interesting to see how, how you do it. You're the master behind pulling that out of somebody that you know, like, this is going to be a winner because someone's really going to read this and get something from it. Yes. So you, like many people in this space, have multiple book ideas. You don't know which one to choose. So then if I were working with you, I'd say, okay, let's step back. Why do you want to write a book? What goals do you want to achieve from writing your book? Let's say, hypothetically, you and I are working on a book together for this year and the book comes out in October, 2022. Then it's out for a year and you get to see some of the results that it has. Look forward to October, 2023. What do you want your book to have given you in the year that it's been out? Hmm. And let me ask you, because you talk to so many people that do this, are they surprised about the book they wrote compared to what they thought they were going to write about? Well, that's an interesting question. Are they surprised by the book they wound up writing? Sometimes there have been, okay, so uh, one of my clients, uh, Kip, he works in the IT space. Mm -hmm. We halfway through his book for multiple reasons, we just had to implode the outline. We realized that the direction that we were going in, we were trying to teach people how to protect security in their, uh, or digital security in their companies. Right. We realized that it was completely the wrong direction. And we just had to improvise and go blow up the outline we had created and then go in a completely different direction. Um, it happened to work out in that case. And mm -hmm. I think he would say that he was surprised by the result that he got. Um, but I still I wanna go back to that question because it's illustrative for your listeners. It can help you dial in on which book you would want to write. What, what do you want to achieve with your book? It's an interesting way to put it because I think you're right about that. Because I think people look up, they all talk about it. And I, I've had people who've written books and some books have been 
amazing and they capture like wow this is great and some books no offense you know haven't been as much so i imagine it's harder Mm -hmm. for you because you want this book not only to be a great book but also to be a top seller out there so you know walk us through like maybe an example of one or two of your clients don't go on the names obviously but go Mm -hmm. into like you know their stories and how it was so impactful and how they become you know much more visible because of that book uh, yeah, so I had one client who developed a specific type of marketing called mind state marketing. And he went into his project thinking, I don't need to sell a bunch of copies of my book. I just want to get speaking gigs and I just want to get maybe a retainer or two with the company. And which is most people, what most people say. Some people say that they want to become a bestseller. And then I have to go into saying, why do you want to become a bestseller? Is it because you want to get that notoriety and that validation, which is perfectly valid, but most people don't even know what getting on the New York Times bestseller list even means. They don't know what getting on the Wall Street Journal bestseller list even means. How many copies do you have to sell? How likely is it for a self-published book to get on those bestseller lists? New York Times bestseller list doesn't put self-published books on there. Cut, Cut that out immediately. Wall Street Journal bestseller list, you have to sell five to 10,000 in the first week or pre-orders, roughly speaking. Um, But this client, he had a smart idea. He said that he just wanted to get speaking gigs. Great. We write his book. It's an excellent book. And immediately he starts building a second career based off of his um, speaking engagements. He makes $80,000 in the first six months from speaking gigs, gigs that he was before doing for free. Now he's charging three to $6,000. He got a retainer with a Fortune 50 company, and he basically built a second company uh, for his own personal brand using his book. That's the way to do it to me. Uh, when somebody comes to me and they say they want to be a bestseller, selling books is a perfectly valid reason to write a nonfiction book. We're not Daniel Steele. We're not Stephen King in this space. We're writing books for lead gen to get clients, to get speaking engagements. A lot of people can't put, that, put those two aside. It's two different things. If you're writing a book as an entrepreneur, a a prescriptive nonfiction book, and your idea is to get your ROI in the book development process based on book sales, see ya, I'm not interested in working with you. And most ghostwriters won't because that's not how you're gonna get your money back. You're gonna gonna get it back from speaking engagements and new clients. Gotcha. So how do you get people, okay, so, all my friends, listen, I'm, I'm real involved with EO, which is Entrepreneurs Organization. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm real involved with the Philly chapter. And um, I have a lot of friends will say, I just need a ghostwriter. And mm-hmm. I look at them and I'm like, wait, I can't even get five minutes of your time. And I'm like, how are you going to do that? You got to make it a priority. So I imagine you have a process step in regards to what, listen, that's great. We're going to work together, but this is what I need from you to make this work. Yes. Um, can, you, can you give me five hours a week for the next six months? And then you say, yes. Okay, great. What time of day? And what are you going to be taking away from your life? Because a lot of people, especially an entrepreneur might just say yes, because that's what we do. We say yes and then figure out how to fly on the way down. Um, But if I don't know exactly what you're going to be taking away from, and I don't know exactly what time of day that we're going to be working together consistently, because that's a book is a war of attrition. It's not, a f- it's not a feat of inspiration. Inspiration is a poor means of writing a book. It is pecking away and writing badly and doing the process badly for long enough that you outlast all of the other people who quit beforehand. That's it. That's all that matters. We create a bad first draft by talking together for three hours a week, 
We give a little bit of leeway so that you can write or edit for two hours a week and that's it. Wow. It sounds like a marathon, you know, because you have to just yes. keep plugging away to it, plugging away. And it's a great finish line, but it's it's not going to come overnight kind of a deal. How long? I mean, it sounds like it's about five, six months for this to happen then, right? Was it five, six months or longer than that? It really depends on your goals and it depends on how many calls we do a week. Ideally, um, I would like to wrap this process up in six months for the um, writing and then another two to three months for the publishing. Gotcha. And gotcha. Now, do you become that coach where after maybe four months of it, you know, because um, they don't, you know, we're entrepreneurs, right? We want to see it, touch it, feel it. And mm -hmm. um, we haven't seen it. We haven't touched it. We haven't felt it. Do people, is there a high likelihood of people giving up? Yes. Uh, one of the ways I try to mitigate that is by um, after each content call I have with somebody, I do what's called a voice check where I'll just write two pages and I say, look, Marsha, the, the pages that I'm sending you, don't worry about content yet. We're not getting into the weeds with that yet. I just want to make sure that I have your voice down. Uh, do these two pages represent the voice that you want? And then I have to coach. I have to coach the person I'm working with to say, to be really critical of me because the worst thing that we can do is not have candor in that process. I need that person to say, this word doesn't sound like me. I would never say this sentence. And I say, that's great. We're dialing in. That's how we mitigate that quitting in the process. It usually doesn't happen. If somebody is going to quit, it doesn't happen in the actual content calls because they're, they're going to feed off of my energy and they're going to feed off of my motivation and momentum. That's the best and most, most, um, creative time in that process. It's when we get down into the publishing stage. I have a client right now. He uh, lives in the Boston area. He's a real estate expert. We have a book completely finished. <clears throat> all he needs to do is press the publish button. He's paid us. He's paid all of his invoices. He's done all of the work, but he's just procrastinating on publishing it because I think there are some unaddressed anxieties that he had. He went into it thinking, this is going to be easy. I'm not going to be one of those guys who's going to have some anxiety about publishing a book. This is straightforward. But then once people, once people actually get to that, I'm putting myself out there into the world and I'm being vulnerable with some of these stories and I'm being vulnerable saying, Hey, look at me and what, what I created with this book. That's when they start to, that's the time at which somebody would quit if they were to quit. Um, yeah, I could definitely see that. Now, do you help them? So he's ready to publish. You're going to push that little yes. button, publish and all. Yep. Do you help them after the fact in regards to, because now all of a sudden you're right. People are reading it. You're getting a lot of visibility out there. You're getting social media. You're getting presentations and all too. Do you, does your team help with that as well? Yeah, I would, we take great pride in that, in helping people get onto podcasts and helping people put themselves out there. And as much as possible, we coach them through some of the pitching process to uh, media outlets but as much as possible we take that off of their plate and just take care of everything ourselves as far as social media you know basically taking the book and repurposing it into content that can be used on twitter linkedin everything just we have a system to get people amazon reviews yes we we take great pride in getting people attention for their books that's why i've uh, our clients have been on the USA Today bestseller list, Wall Street Journal bestseller list, featured in Forbes, NPR, LA Times, all these fancy publications that a lot of people care about, but more importantly, get you clients. Yep, absolutely. So how many, how many customer or clients do you work on at one time? 
we cap ourselves at 10 and we do that because we only care about working with projects that matter to us because there there are plenty of lead gen books that get pumped out in this space there are a lot of bad prescriptive nonfiction books we're not interested in all that nonsense i've been there before i've worked with agencies where we did that i was uh, book factory agencies i could do that with my eyes closed i'm not interested in that my partner and i cap it at 10 and we go from there that's like so exciting so you do you have like certain industries that that you know would like sell better like real estate is one of them right but i imagine it, it fits anything but i imagine there are certain there's certain areas that probably do better than others yeah uh certain areas and certain times i mean recently uh, really niche marketing books digital marketing books and um concrete uh concrete actionable sales books those are the mm -hmm. two that we've seen become really successful i'm looking for somebody who who wants to write a cold outreach sales book specifically i really want a client uh who's writing that type of book i haven't found that sort of sales book yet but um yeah those have been most lucrative for customers interesting um uh, and it, it's so interesting because you do a lot of work around the entrepreneur side of the house too because you know there's so much entrepreneurs organization is, is 15,000 entrepreneurs around the world we have about 110 in the philly chapter but we do a lot together we share ideas and stuff like this and i love sharing you know how to do this out to that team because listen they all everybody was like i want to write a book but nobody ever right. really writes down like okay this is my time frame this is who i'm going after this is what i want to say this is when it's going to get done and something like that would be really interesting to put you in in front of that team just to say hey there's an opportunity there to help you out with that you know oh yeah that'd be that'd be great i mean i can walk people through this process all day um what really is the difference maker is the accountability and then on top of it, obviously doing everything on the back end. But yeah. Marsha, if you want, if you wanted to, you could, you have the ability to write your book. What you don't have right now is a framework to do it. That's it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then quick question for you. You don't have any bulldogs, do you? No, 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 no. I have a little Maltese poodle. That's it. Because one of my, one of my team members has, um, um, her, her dog always sleeps when she's talking to it. And it sounds just like it. So I started laughing. I'm like, Oh my God, I, <laughs> it's just, um, the animals are part of the family now. So they are around here. So, um, yes, it, it's just funny when I hear all that, I'm like, Oh, I, that's awesome. So I'm talking to my own team. It's just so great. Um, <laughs> so what's next for you? What's next for Greg in self-publishing Sherpa.com? Um, what's next for us is I'm trying to find, I'm trying to find clients in the sales because I'm, I look for clients who are writing books about things that I'm trying to learn about. And right now I'm trying to learn about sales. So that's, that's my next step is trying to find clients who are writing sales specific books and finding clients who are former, uh, athletes writing memoirs. That's another niche that we're moving into. And we help, we at least entertain other types of book ideas, but those are the two niches that we're trying to uh, really zero in on for the next quarter. I like that idea. Um, there's a, I'm actually part of a, a mastermind. So Brandon T. Adams has this amazing video marketing mastermind. And one of my teammates is actually um, 
former Olympic, three-time Olympian um, field hockey star. So I'll try to make an introduction for you to see if it, cool. it goes. Yeah, she's really cool. She's dynamic and she's a lot of fun. Um, and to get things moving. So, okay, so let's go into all the entrepreneurs and what you're doing and getting it moving. Um, and then figuring out, you know, what works, what doesn't work. So let's go into like secrets and mistakes. You know, some, what are some secrets of really having a really good book that people really would be like, this was a page turner. I loved it. I got a lot out of it. And so people don't overthink what goes into it. But what would you say if I was a genie, I would say, yes. here's top three secrets and top three mistakes. Okay. Secrets. Easy. Um, focus on if you wrote a book that was that only comprised of stories from your experience, your lesson that you learned from each one of those experiences, and then the action for the reader to take from one of those experiences, you just do that in order for 150 pages, you have 80 for 85% of your work done for a book. What most people, the mistake that most people make is that they don't make their content actionable in their book. They speak on uh, from a 10,000 foot view. Here's a story of my experience from my entrepreneur days. Here's the lesson that I learned. Uh, here's the next story. But I need a specific action that I can take as a reader. And it's hard. It sounds when I say it like that, it sounds simple and obvious, but it's really hard when you actually get into the weeds of it. And that can take a long time, but it's worth it. Um, uh, secrets and mistakes. Those are the two. Um, it's interesting. I think that's great advice to get moving on there well, let's go into like maybe a story of one or two like what would you think that like one of the best stories were ever written in regards to what you learned from like what industry was it you know how did you meet that person and then what became of it hmm let me simmer on that for a moment yeah absolutely not a problem i think it's just interesting because of the fact that i think when people are looking to read a book they don't know that ghostwriters are out there so they start talking to people and then when they right. hear of a ghostwriter they get told oh here's a person potentially but they know nothing about them and they think like this is the only person and i would i like preferring giving also to people that really know their stuff and what they're doing and i did a lot of research on you and you definitely know your stuff out there uh but i don't think a lot of people always take the time to do that so it's interesting to to hear that you're out there and what you're doing and how you're marketing yourself too. But go back to that question, yeah, sorry. For sure, for sure. Um, well, th there's an interesting dynamic where me not knowing about an industry can sometimes be a positive in the collaboration experience as a ghostwriter because then I, it's easy for me to play dumb because I just don't know anything. Mm -hmm. uh, one example of that is a client that I was working with. Um, he was writing a book about, um, it was, a, it was another niche, really niche marketing book. And the story in the book that has still stuck with me, and I think about it every time I go into a grocery store still, was that the, the amount of money a grocery store loses on wasted produce when they, they make a thunderstorm sound in the produce section and then they spray all the produce with water, that doesn't maintain the produce. It actually makes it spoil faster. And it costs them millions of dollars a year, depending on the size of the grocery store chain. But what winds up happening is that it creates this trigger in your mind and it creates this space of being like you're out in the field, you're in the farmland and you're picking the food directly from the soil. 
and they make enough in that mindset shift to compensate for the fact that they lose their food to spoilage. And that story in the book is something that I think about every time I go into the produce section. Um, and I, what was the other part of your question about the best story I ever wrote in a book and what else? Yeah, and just basically what, you know, what makes people really want to read? I mean, to me, I'm, I was captivated right there, you know, mm -hmm. because now I'm going to go into, you know, uh, Wegmans and never look at it the same way again, you know, but see. Um, to see when things pop off. Yes, what makes a good story in a, is scene building and putting a person in the actual moment and potentially even having dialogue, even if it's stories from your own life, writing nonfiction stories with the same elements of good fiction, dialogue characterization and scenes uh a lot of entrepreneurial books really mess up on that they just say here are the rote facts mary started a business well it's like no nobody cares about that this is not case studies this is not law school you are telling stories in scene that's the biggest thing that you can do to make a page turner nonfiction book like this but how do they become good uh, you know, I keep reading about this right now, too. I'm actually a very yep. big storyteller. I like going over. We talk about experiences all the time in EO. How do people get really good at that so that they can make that impact even faster? The biggest the biggest thing is watching for details. That's the biggest thing is salient details. I don't know. There's a reason that I didn't last as a college professor because I don't know how well I can teach the creative writing aspect of all of this. I can I can help walk and talk people through it, but to teach them how to look for details and which details to tell, I don't know that I can teach that and I'm not gonna pretend that I know how to. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's a skill, right? And um, the people are either creative or, you know, some of them are very tactical and, and some are both, but it's interesting to see that. I'm wondering now too, in regards to like, what's the future of books? Because obviously, you know, Amazon took books to a whole new level, the way they're set up with the digital side of the house. And I still yeah. ask people at the very end of our podcast, I'm like, what do you like? Do you like Audible or do you like hard copy? And I would say mm. it's still like a 50-50. People like to have that in their fingers. They like to have that hand stuff. But you know what? I do think the younger you are, the less they're used to having that paper feel. You know, what's the future for books for your, in your perspective? I believe, well, perhaps more broadly, I believe that traditional publishing is on its way out, that people are going to realize that that I think will change the medium where traditional publish my last memoir, I as a half experience, half experiment, half exercise and validation, I went with traditional publishing house. I got the book deal. I went through that whole writing a proposal, that whole process. I can compare and contrast that with self-publishing. A traditional publishing house, they take away all creative control. You lose 85% of your royalties. The process takes 12 to 24 months. It's insane. And I think that they are dinosaurs of an industry, but the perception just hasn't caught up to that reality yet. So people think, oh, you self-published your book. That's somehow a exercise in defeat or that you're not a good enough writer. It's like, no, the best writers in the future are gonna be the ones who own their own publishing companies and who own their own creative output. And they're going to just have people around them that can help them write their books. They won't go through a traditional publishing house. So I think the future of publishing is going to be, yes, highly audible or highly audiobook related. Um, but I think people still like having a physical copy of a book. I mean, 
there's so much status involved in having books and writing books that people aren't going to give up the perceptual status of having a bookshelf behind them. That's just never going to go away. I would, I would highly agree with that. But I also like the idea too, because what I'm starting to see now with entrepreneurs is they are starting to get the people who are better at it than them around them. You know, mm. for example, I have a friend of mine that does um, uh, residential windows out in Utah, and he does a very successful business. And what he decided to do um, after our mastermind class is he hired somebody to be with him almost all the time to take videos of the entire his journey and his mm. conversations and what we're doing and all. And then they edit them and they put them back on social media. And he said that alone has, you know, given him visibility. He does a lot of podcasts now. He does things out there, but he, he wants to write a book next. So it's writing that book next. It's like all these different steps around you. You just got to figure out what you're good at and what you're not, and then get the best people around you to do it. Exactly. Right? So, yeah, absolutely. Um, how, how can people get a hold of you? Best way to get a hold of me, you go to selfpublishingsherpa.com or you can email me directly, greg at selfpublishingsherpa.com. I'll leave it at that. And then I'm really not going to ask the question, do you like Audible or books better? Um, because I think mm -hmm. I know the answer to that. So, uh, mm -hmm. you know, which is pretty cool. But let me ask you this. Though. What's your favorite app sure. right now? My favorite what? App. Application. Ah, well, oddly enough, Discord right now, the messaging app, because a lot of um, crypto projects hold their community, they host their communities on Discord and I'm getting deep. I'm also a co-founder of a play to earn cryptocurrency. And so as I research our competitors, I spend a lot of time on the Discord app. Interesting. So, well, wait a minute. That's a whole different conversation here because it certainly is. I can tell you, I would say majority of EO members are really involved in cryptocurrency. Mm -hmm. And some say they are, but I don't think they fully understand it still. But, um, right. you know, they'll say they do, but they don't. Um, so tell us more. How did you get involved with that as well? That was a really big, you know how I said that writing has just been part of my DNA since I was a teenager. This is very much a friend from college uh, who lives in Berlin started a, a crypto game with his buddies and they needed somebody to write the plot and they reached out to me. So now I am against all of my predictions and against all of my everything. I am a uh, lead game writer for this cryptocurrency. And so I've just gotten deep into this world and learning the game mechanics and learning. I, I still am a neophyte, but I am starting to learn quite a bit really fast actually and so i'm deep into that world right now wow um should definitely look into eo because uh down the road because i'm telling you the majority of people are pretty heavily into it and um it's, it's becoming pretty big deal and i think it's gonna it's gonna become a lot larger i think everything is weird with the economy right now but mm. it's 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 having its own feet and legs and arms and toes and everything yes. else so it's gonna be pretty cool stuff which is nice um and I would just say too, like, you know, I, I mean, when you talk about a book and you tell people, cause you've been coaching people a long time to say, if you're ready and all, I would say, you know, what would you say to them? Like, listen, how, how do you station up a person and size them up and saying, okay, I think you're ready. Or maybe in three months you're ready. What are those things that you typically hear from them that, you know, this person's ready to go. They have a book idea, a goal and an audience that are all three aligned. If those three things aren't aligned, 
and I can't and I can't conversationally find an alignment between them, then we have to depart. Uh, got it. All right, I love it. Three easy tips out there, everybody. So if you're really interested, make sure you're ready with those three things and make sure you reach out to Greg Larson, um, selfpublishingsherpa.com. I appreciate that. Um, Greg, I can't thank you enough for being on today's show. It's very simple. Uh, we are a top three where basically we share um, secrets and mistakes. But the idea behind it is that it's a it's a it's a quick listen. But people listen to it when they go to the car, they go to the grocery store, and they just want to hear a little bit about this, a little bit about that. And I think it's so important about understanding how to do a book because um, some people don't know, and it's actually a very simple process. Um, you just got those three things you mentioned, and you gotta you gotta want it and spend the time doing it. So. If it's a priority in your life, you're going to make the time um, for sure. So um, we'll see what happens. My last thing, though, how long ago did you start paddleboarding? <laughs> That's about a year, a year and a half ago I started paddleboarding. I live right next to the Colorado River, so I just oh. blow that thing up and I just haul it on out there with my dog oh. at the front. So fun. You have to send us pictures um, when we basically post this out there and all, too. This is what you do in your spare time. So I love it. <laughs> Austin is a, but you live out in Austin. Austin is so beautiful down there and it's definitely mm -hmm. become much more populated, too. But just a wonderful place to visit, except in the spring if you have allergies, which I had last year. Ooh, yeah. I, yeah, not good. But hey, I learned my lesson. So it was all good. Um, yeah. You definitely fill things out. So great. Well, Greg, thank you so much. I appreciate that. For those out there who do not subscribe to Top 3, now's your time. And don't forget to share it with a friend. I know you're out there. We really appreciate your support. Um, and you know us at the O'Connor Group. We love sharing tips and tricks to do better your business as well as connect with people. So reach out to us if you want to talk to anybody out there. As well as, um, hey, don't forget to look on our website, tocgrp.com. And we actually have a sign-up sheet on there for our connector, which is a bi-weekly newsletter that talks about fun, quick, informative things about HR and talent. So with that, I'm Marcia O'Connor, CEO and founder of the O'Connor Group. Thanks for listening today to Top 3, where entrepreneurs share their secrets and mistakes. And see you next time.